Welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite game show, Read Me Unlock Dash Notepad. Hello, CD Project Red. You have been epically pwned. David, tell them what they've won. Well, Sean, today we have dumped full copies of their source codes for Cyberpunk 2077, The Witcher 3, Gwent, and an unreleased version of The Witcher 3. We've also dumped all of their documents relating to accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. Find out how you can get this information back into your own hands on today's episode of The Scene on Screen Podcast. You heard the man. Welcome to the Scene on Screen podcast. You've got your host, Sean, and you got your host, David. And we've got a ton to unpack. I mean, screw ple- uh, pleasantries, am I right? Let's just get yeah. right to this insanity that happened I feel with like so. CD Projekt Red. I feel like we could run a little game show. I know. I, I felt really... Uh, maybe maybe it's all the WandaVision that I've been watching, but I, I just era-adjusted quite nicely. Yeah, like I, I felt like I felt like I was on The Price is Right or something like that. Yeah, un- unfortunately for CD Projekt Red, they are not on the prices right. No, they're for, on the prices for, wrong, Trebek. <laughs> for those living under a rock or who are unaware at this point in time, CD Projekt Red has been hacked. And like, I'm not talking like baby hacked. I'm talking like people straight up fucked them up. So yeah. uh, as you guys could probably gather from our little bit at the beginning, uh, we were reading parts of the ransom note that was sent to uh, CD Projekt Red saying, you have been epically pwned. We have dumped co- full copies of the source code from your pre-forced servers for Cyberpunk 2077, The Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of The Witcher 3. I'm not sure what console that would have like, been for. It would probably would... just be like an alpha or beta version that they were working on. <laughs> That's probably still better than Cyberpunk 2077. Um, while they were at it, they also got into all the documents relating to accounting, admin, legal, HR, uh, investor relations, and much more. They've also encrypted all their servers, but they've also understood that they can probably recover everything from backups. And here's where it gets great. And I quote, If we will not come to an agreement, then your source code will be sold or leaked online and your documents will be sent to our contacts in the gaming journalism. Your public image will go down the shitter. Even more people will see how shitty your company functions. Investors will lose trust in your company, and stock will dive even lower. You have 48 hours to contact us. First off, the public image... What do they want to come to? I guess they have to contact them to find out what they want. Well, it's not like they were like, give me one trillion dollars. One billion dollars. <laughs> but the it's it's frustrating to read this because this is this is like somebody stealing somebody's purse and being like, if you don't meet my demands, this is what's gonna happen, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna make you look bad publicly. Get us your get us my demands. 
everybody already has such a shitty image of what CD Projekt Red is right now. Like, talk about kicking somebody when they're down. This is this well, is something I'd expect if like a hacker went after like EA or something. It, it's kind of ironic at the same time because even though Cyberpunk 2077 has kind of uh, not lived up to the expectations. Um, overall, though, CD Projekt Red has been kind of one of those companies that people look up to or admire, right? Like, um, the, the, they've released some really quality games in the past, uh, and also they are huge in supporting DRM-free games and, and whatnot. Like, they actually own the company GOG.com, which used to be called Good Old Games, Um and you know they they release Witcher all like Witcher two one two and three, um, and actually Cyberpunk on there as well, all DRM free. So they they've kind of shown the industry that you don't need you know some of these hardcore DRMs installed on people's like computers and stuff like that to circumvent piracy because like it's still going to happen but it's not it never really hurt their company so it's just kind of i think it's interesting that someone attacked them and like you said you know kicking them when they're down right after the launch of cyberpunk um but really is it just is it did someone just pick them because it's an easy target right now like you said, like it could have been EA, it could have been Ubisoft, like it could have been any one of those like big companies, or hell, like Bethesda, or even one of their subsidies. Um, but CD Projekt Red is kind of one of those companies that's in the limelight, but for negative reasons right now. So is it just to add more to that? Well, according to this news report, CD Projekt Red hackers allegedly already selling. Um, auction leak source files. Okay, oh, so these guys, these guys like, came to play. Do they have like a PayPal account or something like that? I don't <laughs> know. There's, a, pay, there's a paywall on the art, the article. And I wonder though, what what advantage does having the source code to? I guess it would allow other companies and people to kind of reverse engineer their games and what, Nintendo from and, 1997 and, and copy them. Right. But yeah. it's not really like, I guess their game engines might be closed source or whatnot, but a lot of things kind of most, most game engines are uh, like edits or modifications of some of like the major game engines out there, like Unreal, um, Unity, all that stuff, right? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what they're. I wish in this ransom note, which I, this is such a, you know, twentieth century thing. The ransom note is a, a notepad, like a text document. <laughs> um, it there doesn't it doesn't say any demands. Right. So there was probably another file that wasn't released that like to the public. Yeah. Like that was clearly leaked, right? It's like a screenshot, right? So unless there's more to this um, document that they haven't, they haven't uh, shown us. Right. But then they, 
they released a statement. So it's not one of these like kind of fake things, you know, that people just post to kind of, I don't know, troll the internet. Right. No, it's a real hack, man. Yeah. Um, do we want to read their statement? Do we have? The yeah, you can. Statement? Yeah. Um, do I still have? No, I don't have. I couldn't get the piano. I'm sorry. Damn it. All right. Well, this was. I can give you this. No, that doesn't work. It's completely different. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, so this is uh, CD Projekt Red's uh, official statement. <laughs> rebuttal to their their hacking uh yesterday we discovered that we have become a victim of a targeted cyber attack due to which some of our internal systems have been compromised an unidentified actor gained unauthorized access to our t- our internal network collected certain data belonging to cg project capital group and left a ransom note on the content of which we released to the pump yeah we released to the public Although some devices in our network have been encrypted, our backups remain intact. So right there, they said not everything's been encrypted, just some. We have already secured our IT infrastructure and begun restoring the data. We will not give in to the demands nor negotiate with the actor, being aware that this may eventually lead to the release of the compromised data. We are taking necessary steps to mitigate the consequences of such release, in particular by approaching any parties that may be affected due to the breach. So that's also interesting because it's like who who specifically would be affected by them releasing um, the source codes for their games? Yeah, right? I agree. Um, so we are still investigating the incident. However, at this time we can confirm that to our best knowledge, the compromised systems did not contain any personal data of our players or users of our services. We have already approached the relevant authorities, including law enforcement and the president of the United States, no, the president of the personal data protection office, as well as it forensic specialists. And we will closely cooperate with them in order to fully investigate this incident. So, I, I feel like they are being very transparent in the information that they can give us, right? Like they, they've said, you know, that yes, this happened. Yes. Some of their stuff was compromised. They have backups. They are this dealing with it and it hasn't affected any users, personal data. Um, the one thing that I still I don't understand is what is what is the end game for this, right? What is the goal of these hackers to take this information? And like, do they want money? Like, that's what is this a bank robbery? Like, give us all your money? Well, like, that's kind of stupid. You, you'd have to. I, I don't know. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and you have to remember that it's either somebody it's one of two situations. Somebody wants money or somebody's disgruntled. Now, when you look at the, somebody wants money Avenue CD project red canceled all their bonuses and they're not making a profit right now on their game. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but in Amazon's two for three sale last week or earlier this week, um, you could buy, um, in uh, like CAD, you could buy cyberpunk for 49 99. That's a price drop. They're not making money right now. Digitally, you get it for like 20 to 30% off as well. 
So like, yeah, they're still making money off their, their copies of the Witcher, which is apparently doing really, really well on the switch. Selling a ton of copies, mm-hmm. but this company's not flushed with cash right now because the game that was supposed to be pounding that, like just literally filling their bank account needs work to be repaired in order to sell. And unfortunately they're going to be selling it at less than what they thought they were going to. And yeah, at the end of the day, production costs may work out to be about $20 a copy, but I'd rather make $80 a copy over $50 a copy. Like I'd rather make that like $30 profit is nothing to sniff at, but okay. And then the, the, the opposite side is like, they, they say it's an unidentified actor, right? We we get that this person's probably not working alone. Uh, if you've ever seen the the TV show Mr. Robot, it's usually a group of people hiding out in a carnival on Coney Island. I don't know. Uh, well, and, and something like this, like clearly they they aren't running just a home server, right? With a a simple password. Yeah, it'd be found really quickly. I think this this is this has all the makings of somebody who's disgruntled and they are acting against the company which -hmm. you know what if you have your reasons that's fine i get it and you're not harming the consumer all the power to you the the only thing is like when we're talking about this we're we're just spreading off the news as it were I, i just look at a situation like this being like okay what's the real reason here because if you wanted the money you can go after bigger gaming companies that would hurt more from a data act right do you know how badly right now Bethesda or Xenomax would be exposed if they all of a sudden got railed with a hack? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that'd be some bad news. It'd be funny like, if uh, EA was hacked and then they're like, "We found no information that we that other people already haven't already figured out." <laughs> You're a shitty company. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's but. um. Yeah, like it'll be interesting. It's hard to kind of wrap your head or like, well, my head, maybe it's just heads in general around this, because from where we stand, we like I said, we don't know what the goal is. Um, It could, like you said, very well be a disgruntled employee or ex-employee or in, maybe maybe an investor. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like if it's someone who has stakes in the company, how is this going to help them? Right. Like it's just going to make things worse for them. Um, And even more worse when they eventually get caught. Um, It's I feel like it's uh, like a group of people like a 4chan or something. Really, Maybe. you know, a But I don't know. This is uh, when was the last last big like company game hack? Uh Sony probably. Yeah, that's true. Sony, that was like, but that was years ago. That was like the PS3, mm-hmm. right? That was a that was a major a major issue. Um where actual users information was taken right credit card info personal home names addresses stuff like that and what did sony give us a few free games (laughs) yeah i think this will just eventually blow over 
it's um but it's something that like definitely we're gonna have to keep keep an eye on and i think over the next coming weeks um we'll, we'll definitely hear more i know that cd project is being fairly transparent in just kind of like their business you know not so much the <laughs> the release of cd project red but afterwards they kind of like okay you know what yeah we got to be honest with the the people this is the situation um but i i think for them to also save face right because mm -hmm. if 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 these hackers do release you know the information that i would say if that would potentially affect the company more such as um was it the uh like the business stuff not so much the game stuff because like whatever cyberpunk and witcher and gwen those are already released right i, I feel like if they had the cyberpunk 2077 source code before the game was released that would It'd be, be worth a, a ton yeah that'd be way more but i think the most damaging stuff to this company right now would be their accounting administration hr all of that stuff mm -hmm. because that is that affects the company and the employees directly right yeah. not saying that the you know the source code for their games don't affect them either but you know um accounting that's huge right that that's not only their finances for the games that they make and how much they're making, but that's also can potentially include, you know, their employee salaries and all that stuff. So I feel like that is more damaging to the company. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope that they can get this all sorted out. I'm actually really not excited, but interested to see how this pans out. Um, yeah. Uh, like um, I'm just, while you were talking, I was reading an article that was posted a few hours ago from The Verge. Um, and they've got Kila involved, which is a cybersecurity firm. Right. And they, they have evidence to believe that the auction is not only real, but it's in fact legitimate. Um, we do believe that this is a real auction by a real seller who has access to the data. The seller offers to use a guarantor, and he allows only those who have deposit to participate. Now, the increments go up by $100,000, and you can buy the entire source code for, I think it's the whole bucket for seven mil. But do they not like, are they using Bitcoin or something like that? Users who deposit 0.1 Bitcoin can participate in the auction, point one. which is why. Yeah, that's not much. I have 0.1 Bitcoin. No, I don't. I have 0.01. Yeah, this is 0.1 Bitcoin. Oh, let me load this up. How much Bitcoin do I have? VX Underground has also independently verified the pricing terms for the auction after Kella had provided the information. The Verge, including screenshots of alleging... Uh, the, so the auction starts tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Eastern Time or on, 1 p.m. Moscow on, on, Standard what, Time. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't see that information. How can I get in on this auction? I have actually... Point zero five bitcoin so do you, do you really want to be the person who, <laughs> who I'm not quite there yet. um i i like i can't see what website but it's definitely on the the dark web the underground web oh those things but like okay 
what what yeah like to answer your question or to ask your question back what is your end game like are you gonna create a game called the witcher 4 well no the only thing that they could await they would have to create cyber witcher 2070 no 2081 it's like i i think this is going to be an interesting story like if you remember back to the big sony hack that happened years and years ago like I lost money on that. My credit card was wiped out. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, that's I remember that because I went to go. Um, I went to go pay for my team's ultimate fees, and I went to go put it on my credit card, and the credit card was declined. I was like, "What the fuck?" And I looked, and it was like not only maxed out, but it had a positive balance. I was like, "What the hell?" Called my bank, and they were like. Uh, yeah, when was the last purchase you made from Sony? And can you tell me the amount? I was like, like $12. I bought the Ghostbuster house for play. Do you remember that whole like PlayStation room thing where you could have like your own city or. Oh, yeah. PlayStation home. That was great. Yeah, you could go visit your friends. And I had the Ghostbuster house. You actually bought stuff there? Uh, yeah, because I'm stupid. Anyways thousand dollars later (laughs) like sony was like the bank was great in getting me the money back and sony to my knowledge like took full responsibility for their data breach i just hope in both cases here that everybody's getting what they look for or they're looking for and you know what i i don't mean to make that sound like yeah the hacker should get everything that they want but obviously there's a reason this has happened right Yes, or not necessarily. Maybe it's just someone who's just like, you know what, I'm going to do this because I can get money. Or And they shot their shot at a company that they thought mm-hmm. would be the most vulnerable at this time. Mm-hmm. And like I can imagine the the walls for like Naughty Dog, EA, Valve, fucking Xenomax, all these companies probably have such portals and gateways that you can never get through them or you'd have a very hard time getting through them and maybe this was just a more vulnerable attack i feel like you know even how many like naughty dog would be more devastating to the gaming industry and and that company right like they with all yeah, the you're right of... three years from now they wouldn't have a game of the year <laughs> right but that that would directly involve sony right because that's one of their companies so that would be a big blow on Sony as well. Uh, not like we're not that we're giving any ideas or anything to that to people, but um, I feel like there's there's other companies that it would have a bigger and more widespread effect. Yeah, maybe maybe this is just like a, a thing to come. Who knows? Um, I also find the timing a little bit interesting because of the whole GME thing that completely died, but. That only lasted a week. Yeah. Um, to the moon. Actually, one of my. Uh... <laughs> you remember me telling you about the that guy that like wanted to put in like two. What What two did he parts. What did he buy at? Uh, let me just see if I can find out. Because I can tell you, GME is at a ripe fifty-one dollars, and it. It's projected to be $49 by close tomorrow. You remember last week when GME was at 
Five hundred dollars. Boy, that was yeah. fun. Uh, when is now? I'm drawing a blank. I forget this guy's name. Oh well, it's unimportant. I think he bought in at like when it was like three hundred, because he would have bought in at the beginning of um, last week, probably the mid last end end of last week. No, uh, because it was mid last week that we were talking about it, right? Yeah, or uh, no, I think so, we actually talked about it two weeks ago. That's how long ago that was. I think he bought in at, uh, oh, there he is. Uh, I think he bought in at about 300. And, and? I think he put two grand in at 300, and it, yeah, two grand at about 300 on the first. Uh, so it was would be last Wednesday, Thursday that he bought in when it was about 300. Yeah. And it just plummeted. It just dropped. That sucks. Yeah. Let's see. I, I have a buddy who lost about a grand on it. Okay. So he bought four shares at approximately 1600 Canadian. Um, oh, there's a there's a whole thread here. Yeah, man. Hey, as I said, if you were talking about it last week, it was far too late. I know, right? Now, let, let, let's go back to a simpler time, okay? When the Nintendo Wii existed and, and the Xbox 360 and Nintendo did the most Nintendo dickish thing they could have possibly done. What? There's been a leak, another leak, a good leak, a bad leak. I don't know. Whatever you want to put it or however you want to put it. There was a remastered version of 007 GoldenEye prepared for the the Xbox 360 and Nintendo didn't approve it. And that is not cool, Nintendo. Because I think you missed out on a very big opportunity for money. And this was one of the first times I think they did it, or well, to our knowledge, one of the first times that they didn't share with Microsoft in a way that they could have. Um, when I, when I think about the missed opportunity, could you imagine in college while we were all playing call of duty, playing 16 player GoldenEye online at at like 10 frames a second? Well, I mean, no, it was a remaster. So it would, it would have been, it would have been awful. Like it it would have definitely been fixed um when it was put to nintendo everyone there approved it except they didn't check with the one guy who mattered i believe i was told his response went along the lines of there is no way a nintendo game is coming out of the microsoft console or coming out on a microsoft console big mistake huge this this kind of broke this week i I remember seeing uh something on reddit about it and I think I just got more upset than anything, because I I would have that I would have bought that. And I think the like you can, if you, where did I see that you can get it? Somebody yeah. leaked a co- Somebody leaked the copy for three sixty, uh, yeah. and you can play it on PC. And I think you can download it for free somewhere. Not that we condone doing this. Um, <laughs> As you're downloading it right now. 
so the thing is, is like back during the 360 PS3 Wii U stage. That wasn't even the Wii U, man. That was the Wii. The Wii generation, sorry. Um, Nintendo was like all three companies still weren't really playing nice. You know, Um, Nintendo was still doing their own thing. And Microsoft and Sony were still kind of battling out against each other for, you know, console exclusives and online subscriptions and all that stuff. Yeah. It wasn't really until the Xbox One and the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch and and late into like the Xbox and PS4 life that cross-platform multiplayer kind of started to emerge and we started seeing games that were traditionally on Sony consoles or on Microsoft consoles or on Nintendo consoles start becoming multi-platform. Um, a big example of that is like the Crash Bandicoot series. Yeah. Um, and Nintendo and Microsoft over the course of the last few years, I think have been playing very nice um, with, you know, things like having cross-platform play between Xbox and uh, Nintendo Switch for for some games, where Sony is still, 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 there's a lot of games that people want to be able to play with, you know, their friends on other systems, but Sony won't allow it. That's why, you know, Activision kind of does their own kind of version of doing cross-platform play, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think when this came out, it, it's no surprise that Nintendo was like, no, because Nintendo still owns, even though rare is not a Nintendo company anymore, Nintendo still owns the rights to GoldenEye 007. Nintendo right? also still technically like, I, I think go, go on. Uh, I'll argue it after. Sorry. You got, you got me all excited. But like, like they, they are still the ones that have the final say. It's just like how Rare made uh, Donkey Kong 64, your favorite game of all time. Uh, and There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Just no, so I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> then, uh, Rare made, you know, Donkey Kong Country for the SNES and, and all that, right? So there's, sure, Rare made those games. Rare works for Microsoft, but Nintendo owns those IPs. So we won't see Donkey Kong on another console, you know, uh, with what was it? Uh, Mario plus Rabbids for the Nintendo switch. You know, there was an expansion that had Donkey Kong in it. And that was kind of like one of the more recent, I guess, positive encouragements from Nintendo for a third party company to use their characters and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but, I can so, see that. What, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I think what maybe stopped them or made them a little cautious is one of Rare's competitive titles for 007 was Perfect Dark. And you remember how like even Perfect Dark with the expansion pack barely ran on the Nintendo 64, correct? Oh, yeah. Like it, it came down to with the even with the expansion pack in some really busy uh 
areas of the game, it still only it would go down to like five frames per second. Yeah. So if you remember that, right, there was per- like the perfect dark franchise was the the franchise that was supposed to absolutely take off. You had um, the perfect dark game for Game Boy and or it was Game Boy Color. I don't know if you remember this game. Um, but it had the battery pack inside it that had a rumble pack. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So that, for Game Boy Color. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing game. Well, like actually a really, really fun shooter considering it was a Game Boy game. Yeah. Um, but what other character do you remember jumped over to Xbox 360 from that original kind of Nintendo 64 group? Banjo and Kazooie. Exactly. So Banjo and Kazooie, which would have been the parallel to Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. Or in other terms, like if you're looking for like the buddy cop, two different animals, like while Dax and Shepard, one's a human and one's a weasel. And then Ratchet and Clank. Cool. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of like all the same kind of release games. But Nintendo had that one. Right. And then Perfect Dark was the absolute competition to Goldeneye. Without a doubt at the time, that was the game that was the competition before like Metal Gear Solid and Splinter Cell started actually picking their shit up on PlayStation 1, right? Well, like it wasn't and the competition so and all that with GoldenEye. It was, it was just, the predecessor or not the predecessor, was, the successor. Yeah, that's really all it was, right? It was Rare making a game using the technology that they had used for GoldenEye and advancing it and using their making their own IP so they controlled it. That's but, exactly what like Banjo and Kazooie was. That was that was their game, right? Not using characters made by or owned by Nintendo or another company. Which which is why to me this like this news now learning about it what 20 years later is shocking almost. <laughs> or like 15 20 years later because you're you're sitting there going, "Oh shit." Well, Nintendo had no problem giving up those characters, right? But when it was Goldeneye, James Bond, one of the most iconic characters of all time. It's not like they were giving up fucking Mario. If you would have just said, I want a percentage of the sales. Do you not remember like 007 Nightfire? um, The it it wasn't a Goldeneye remake. What was that other one called? That was on 360. Uh, there's a bunch on there. Like they were all good. Why couldn't you just let them remaster that one? Because, because that's what Nintendo did back then. You know, Nintendo is known for their cease and desist letters. Yeah. Flappy bird. We're looking (laughs) at you. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Flappy bird got Nintendo hard. Why? Uh, have you ever seen flappy bird? Oh yeah, yeah. Never mind. Because it's the, literally all Nintendo properties. Um, yeah, but that's what Nintendo did. Anyone works on a mod or their own kind of tech demo, or if they they're working on recreating a game, Nintendo catches wind of it, and their lawyers are all over that, like a, a civil lawyer over a class action lawsuit. <laughs> right, Classic. like it's it's uh it's no surprise that 
Nintendo canceled or said no to um, a GoldenEye remake. And I think part of that also is because Nintendo is so stubborn, but they definitely knew that the 360 was a significantly more powerful console than the Wii, right? So they definitely, from a from a company standpoint, why would I allow my a game that is kind of a staple in you know my company's history right why would i allow a remake that looked and played significantly better on my competitors uh, hardware right because, because you're, you're a nice person well no i'm not i'm a i'm a company that wants to make money and keep it all to myself right N- nintendo has and Nintendo resells their games multiple times and people still buy it. Yeah, I I do. I buy them, but whatever. <laughs> so it, it makes sense from a business standpoint. And if you know how Nintendo has handled other people using their IPs, it makes perfect sense on a Nintendo standpoint. I think if something were to come out now like if they were to be working on this now nintendo would allow it and it would come out on xbox and nintendo switch i think it's too late <laughs> if i'm being honest like would you would you not buy uh a golden eye double seven remaster remake whatever it may be in 2021 no that had online multiplayer no and we could play slappers only. Tempting, but still no. Rockets only. Okay. In, here's in why. Tubes. Here's why I'm saying no. Oh no, in the tubes. Yeah, got you there. Here's why I'm saying no, and this this might shock you, but I'm a firm believer that sometimes if it's too little, too late, it's too little, too late. And when you look at kind of the, the the treatment this doesn't just affect their bottom line yes i get it that they were like oh my god we're not going to get 100 percent of the profits this is going to be the worst day ever sure i appreciate that 100 hmm. percent. but you could you could have been like you know what you remastered a game um our team allowed it and then somebody up top said no you know what give us 40 percent of all profits I don't think you could ask for half because they didn't develop it or redevelop it that for that matter. But they took the core game, which was already developed. They took the idea and they took the IP. You could, do you know how much money Nintendo would have made for not putting in any effort at all? Oh, and yeah. Because some asshole was stubborn at the top. He was just like, nah, I'm not happening. But also, I'm sorry. You have, to, you have to remember though, Nintendo didn't need money and they still don't need money. The Wii printed so much money for Nintendo that they they essentially, I think at one point, they could lose like tw- like twenty some odd billion dollars a a year was it a year yeah or or like you know a few hundred million dollars a year and still have enough money to run for the next like twenty years. That's yeah, how that's much sad. money. That's how much money the Wii made for them. Because everyone was buying it, right? Like, you had a Wii, right? Yep. 
I had a Wii. My mom had a Wii. All of my friends had them. Even if people didn't really use it, like they, they bought it because it was that was the thing that you you wanted. It was it was a huge advancement in the way that we play video games. When you think about it, the Wii was the first one with with motion controls, proper motion controls. I know that the PS3 had it with the six axis controller, but not many games really used it. And and it was more so just kind of like shaking the controller around. The Wii actually implemented the the motion controls that we are so used to nowadays. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's why people wanted it. Even if you bought a Wii and you just used it for Wii Sports, you know, that was one of the best games that came out on the system because it was so much fun and it was so easy to play. And it was the most inclusive. Yeah. And so Nintendo at the time did not need money. I think I think if they were struggling financially then maybe the thought process might be a little different because like you said, like they, they could make a shit ton of money without having to do anything. But there was, there's too many factors involved in the Nintendo. What, what, what should it be called? The Nintendo conundrum. (laughs) The problem, the problem that is Nintendo because they make, amazing games they have hardware that sells right like they they make good technology it might not be the most powerful or the most current but the you you have to admit like everyone buys nintendo products except for the virtual boy (laughs) everyone has or has at some point in their life had a nintendo product and it's true. And I don't think that like it, it has that hasn't helped Nintendo kind of get to the same mindset that other companies are right now, like Microsoft and Sony, where they need to kind of embrace change, embrace what people want, including things like cross platform multiplayer and 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 powerful hardware, right? Um, so Nintendo is still kind of stuck in their mind. Like they have a, a horrible online service that's not even worth paying for, but people still pay for it because you you kind of need it, right? Like you you feel almost obligated to have it, right? And and they're smart at the same time because it's priced at a price point that is it's not so high that you're like. Oh, that's too expensive for for what you get, right? So I'm not surprised. I I think there's a lot of things that Nintendo does that doesn't really surprise me. You know, if someone's always playing pranks on you, eventually you'll just kind of shrug it off, <laughs> right? I I think that's what what it is with Nintendo. Would yeah. I love a GoldenEye remake or at least an updated graphics wise? Sure. Um, is it too late for that? I don't think so. Because like we've seen with um, like a lot of the Star Wars games, 
right? Like they re-released Star Wars Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Academy, um, Episode 1 Racer was released recently on PlayStation and Nintendo Switch, and I don't know if it came out on Xbox, but there is still a demand for those older games uh, with, you know, updated graphics and controls and stuff like that. And I think, like, even nowadays, there would be a demand and it would sell well if they were to release a remake of the GoldenEye 007 for the N64. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just recalling while we were talking, like, I remember buying my Wii. I, I know you got yours um, on launch, right? Or close to launch, correct? We got ours on launch day. Yeah, I work. got I got mine in first year in a Kijiji deal where somebody actually drove it to my house and it came with Wii Sports Resort and it came with Mario, I think. And then we bought, I remember the next day going with my buddy Kevin, went to like Walmart or something and picked up Smash Brothers and played for like 24 hours straight. It was unbelievably fun. But I still remember the guy like, yeah, like I just, I don't want it. I was like, okay. And he was offering it to me for like 200 bucks. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I thought he was going to back out or I thought the price was so low that I was going to get robbed. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was unreal. My roommates and I loved that thing so much. And now it's at my parents' house sitting in a box, never to be used again. Yeah. Collecting dust, right? Like there's still viable machines. Like there's like I, the, the modding community and the homebrew community is still pretty powerful and pretty active for like the Wii and the Wii U. And I, I, I know people. And, but, but like for people who want to play kind of like emulator games, like, um, I don't know, any of their ROMs and stuff like that, like that hardware is actually so easy to, to hack um, that there is still a big community. But for most people, guaranteed, like you could probably walk down the street and knock on a dozen different doors. And I would say probably, I would say... 90% of them have a Wii somewhere in their house. Interesting. So, like, I know I said this to you before, but, like, when we were at Retro Bros in Scarborough, we had that, like, kind of moment where we were, like, we I looked at a Wii, and it was nicely packaged in plastic. I think it was the red one. The Mini, maybe? Yeah. And yeah. it was, like, 60 bucks. And I was, like, the 64 is also 60 bucks. But we had that kind of moment where we thought about like, should I just buy this and get it modded so I could play GameCube games? Didn't end up buying it, but I don't know if I personally value a second Wii at 60 or do I have to find it for lower? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 60 bucks you have is to find like the original for... remotes, right? Uh, no, it any doesn't of work the Wii. Any of the Wiimotes work with the... Uh, Even the modded, like the ones with Wii Motion Plus built yeah. in for the Wii U? Yeah, because the Wii came with, uh, later on, they had the Wii Motion Plus attachment, which came that you could order. Because um, yeah. you needed that for Skyward Sword. 
and a few other um, Wii games. But then eventually they put that directly into the the Wii mode, which now is in everybody's Switch controllers and stuff like that. And yeah. Oh, how far they've come. And speaking of Nintendo printing money, Nintendo could stop producing consoles forever and be perfectly fine now. The Switch has made them more money hand over fist than you could possibly believe. It's crazy. Do you know what else is crazy? How I came to our top 10 rom-com recommendations for our episode today. Now, let me let me walk you through our decision-making skill, our uh, thought process today. And over the last few days, we've been compiling rom-coms. We kept ending up at like Greece, when, when Harry met Sally... And we were like, why are we never getting the newer movies? And we also remembered, like, it was brought to my attention that my key, like, our key audience here isn't necessarily people who are, like, 40 or 50 or 60. Like, yeah, we, we love that you listen, but we're of the the millennial generation, which means we should be hitting movies that are from our generation when we felt the most connected to rom-coms right mm-hmm. with that being said i've uh i've gone through the motions with some people and we've we've created a list of the top 10 rom-coms from this past decade um before we start our list with number 10 we do have three honorable mentions because you know what you can't have a list without honorable mentions they are silver linings playbook Obviously, it's an incredible movie. It won an Oscar. Long Shot with Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. It's on Amazon Prime. Check it out if you want to see a really different down-to-earth comedy by Seth Rogen, where he is on a political campaign. And Desperados, it would have made our list, but there are just better movies. Desperados was just a bright spot of 2020. It started the... um, the the reuniting of Nassim Pedran and Lamorne Morris, um, both from New Girl. Um, they were together on New Girl, which made the, the movie more appealing. Anna Camp and Robbie Amell. So, without further ado, we'll start with movie number 10. David, do you want to go first or second? Or do you want to chime um, in on the movies well, that you know? You know what? <laughs> if we were to do movies that I know, um, I would not be able to read any of these that's not true. You know at least I'm just, five. I'm just joking. Uh, Why Him is our number 10 movie. Yeah. I'm going to have to Google this one up because I'm pretty sure I've seen it. it this was released familiar. at it's got, Christmas. It's got the Breaking Bad guy in it, right? Yeah. Brian Cranston, James Franco, and Zoe oh, Deutsch. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen he, this. Do I and it, it, also, really? it also starred uh, Kaylee Cuoco as James Franco's home AI. It's about. Um, this girl bringing her family to meet her new boyfriend. Um, hilarity ensues because it's a James Franco and B it, it has those like wholesome mo- like movie moments at the end where you kind of, you feel for the guy and you're like, man, that's pretty awesome. I like that movie. Um, coming in at number nine is actually surprisingly a movie that was on this list before I saw it. And to preface that, this was thrown on a bunch of lists last week while we were compiling. Um, Chris and I sat down and watched it this week. She's seen it before. She loves the movie. It's blended. 
um, from Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. It's their third movie together. Obviously, we've seen The Wedding Singer and we've seen Fifty First Dates. Um, Blended is about it's kind of like a Brady Bunch, but a movie. It's about a man and his three daughters um, going on a vacation with this girl he met on a blind date, uh, blind date and her two sons. They end up going on the vacation together by accident because of her dumb friend and his boss. It's a pretty funny movie. I'm not going to lie. I really I really enjoyed it. If you're looking for like the Sandler slapstick, it's not there. You're looking more at like the the grown-ups kind of Sandler style movie here. Yeah, I've never seen it. Really? I think you guys will enjoy it. I I I'm not kidding. Do you know number 8 or do you need me do you need me to handhold um. you on this one? It uh, it sounds familiar. Let me just do a quick. Uh, so here's the thing, people need to you... know. I don't really watch rom coms very often, and I've never seen this one. All right, so this one <laughs> is that awkward moment starring Miles, Te- Miles Teller, Zac Efron, Michael B. Jordan, and Ego Imogen Poots. That awkward moment um, sounds like this entire segment right now. um these three are roommates they are kind of like these bachelor bros for life type of thing um if you remember the trailer which is kind of one of the only funny things that i remembered from the trailer and the movie translates fairly well but there's a scene of zach efron and miles teller and they're both laying sideways on the toilet because they took sex drugs and they were trying to pee with erections um it's it's one of those ones where the the guy doesn't know what he has. He goes to get the girl. The girl says yes. That kind of stuff. But it's still a good rom com for this time. And the best part about David and I explaining rom coms is like I watch them mainly because I'm asked to watch them. I can maybe think of three movies here on this list where I was like I want to see that. And like. This was definitely not one of them, but it turned out to be a really good movie. Number seven, David has seen, guys. Don't worry. I hope. And against my will. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, Bridesmaids. It's funny. So I had this list up before we started recording the show. And you clearly uh, researched it. Angela saw this and she's like, what the hell is this? She's like, you haven't seen any of these movies. And she's like, you definitely didn't see Bridesmaid because it has what's your name in it? Um, Every, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. And I'm like, I knew that's I the have, one you hated. Yeah. Actually, I have seen the movie. It was OK. I think there was like, honestly, there was one part in it that I thought was funny. And I think it was when they were trying yeah, when they um, all had like food poisoning or something like that. The Mexican, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they were trying on the uh the dresses. Uh like that was probably like my favorite part in it just cuz it was so ridiculous, but this movie was huge for a uh, a few different reasons. It was um, the fact that Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph got to be in a movie together after SNL was really really strong. It kind of had those same vibes as like anytime Amy Poehler and Tina Fey get together in a movie, um, like sisters or baby mama. When you look at bridesmaids as a whole, the cast is fairly good. I, I mean, I've always found Melissa McCarthy annoying once she started doing like toilet humor. And like, I don't really find a lot of guy toilet humor that great either, 
like poop jokes they're funny every now and then but like every single movie you shouldn't be typecast to do that that's why i stopped watching seth rogan movies for a while because like it's the same thing like you're just doing stoner shit all the time it's just kind of like annoying right have you seen american pickle no i've apparently it's really good though yeah that's a great movie but like even I, i i don't know how to explain it like troping essentially and just doing the same typecast thing over and over and over again um like i've seen the melissa mccarthy that's in like gilmore girls and she's like this soft sweet restaurant uh runner she works at an inn that's kind of her character she's kind of nurturing and then this movie the heat tammy everything she's just like i need to be gross to keep getting movies because people think that's funny and i really hope that's not her and like she appears in more stuff that can maybe change my mind Overall, I think this movie is really funny. Um, everybody loves the toilet scene or uh, the toilet in the sink scene. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Num- number six is an even better movie. This movie was great. This was like high school or actually, no, this was like college for us. Yeah. Um, no, I've been after college. Just after college. Yeah, that's right. Emma Stone, Ali Mashaka and Amanda Bynes start an easy A. The movie about the Scarlet Letter. And this was like Emma Stone when she was doing comedy nonstop before she took like La La Land and serious acting roles. <laughs> um, what can you not, what can you say negatively about Easy A? Like she, I guess, I guess Easy A is now the equivalent of an OnlyFans account. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Sean and I are opening up our own. Oh, hold on. Speaking of speaking of which, speaking of which, there's this girl on TikTok and she has this bit called Only Pans. And she starts every video with welcome to my Only Pans. I hope you're horny. I mean, hungry. And then she makes food and it's the greatest thing. I'm sorry, but that's where my my mind went with Only Fans. Um but yeah, like, doesn't she essentially sell herself or sell? The premise of the movie is she sells people dates on the premise that they can say that they slept with her and she gets gift cards. Yeah. Practically only fans. Pretty much. Except yeah. gift cards. Come on, man. Gift cards are so much better than real money. Um, Number five, I'm kind of <laughs> guessing or doubting you've ever seen. You might have, but yeah, th- this one's a really that. important one for the list, I felt. Um, so it's when we first met, it stars Alexandra Daddario, uh, Robbie Amell, and Adam Devine. Now, this movie was one of the first big budget Netflix, like, Valentine's movies. Which Wait, is hold on. What... Adam Devine from the hit pop band, popular music band Maroon 5? No, that's Adam Levine. Oh, Adam Devine is the uh, um, the workaholics guy. All right, that guy from uh, uh, from the Star Trek remakes, right? I don't think he's in Star Trek, is he? Yeah, he's Captain Kirk. No way. Is he? Uh, no, he was in Pitch Perfect. He's in another movie that we're going to talk about shortly. Um, I don't think he was in Star Trek. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he played Captain Kirk. Um, in all of the remakes, really? I, I'm like ninety nine percent sure. 
I don't see it. Like he's been in Arrested Development. He's been in Modern Family. I can't tell if you're screwing with me or you think you're you're right. I'm pretty sure he also played uh, Batman's Butler. Oh, it's, it's, def- <laughs> it's definitely not Michael Caine. Yeah, Michael Caine. That's 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 <laughs> what I was saying. I hate you. <laughs> um, what made this movie great was it kind of took that whole um that 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 mystery uh that mystery and that like that feeling of those those movies we watched on the family channel back in the day where it was like guy goes into the photo booth and takes a picture all upset all by himself and then all of a sudden boom his life's completely changed he goes to like see the girl that is his best friend and uh everything's different. She doesn't really recognize who he is and like what, um, like he did something wrong instead of right. I'd encourage people to watch this movie because it actually unfolds quite well. And the ending actually is more so, I wouldn't say surprising because you can figure it out, but it doesn't take the traditional rom-com route to get there. It's still on Netflix, but the movie again is called when we first met. It's a pretty good movie. Pretty good. Yeah, never you, seen it. I, I know you haven't. Um, do you want four? Now, I remember seeing this one. I saw this one in theaters. Believe it or not, back when, back in the back in the olden days, when people used to go to buildings with large screens and watch movies together, we saw a movie with Justin Timberlake and. Mila Kunis. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were just friends, but they fucked. A lot. <laughs> friends um, with you, benefits. I remember. Do you remember the movie that came out alongside of this movie and it was exactly the same pretty much? There yeah. No. But I it do. was called that's No Strings that. Attached, starring that's Natalie right. Portman and Ashley uh, and Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, that's right. At the time, those two were bigger actors than Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Yeah. Well, Justin Timberlake never really was a big actor. Really? Like, this was one of... This was kind of his foray into movies, right? Everyone knew him as the guy from NSYNC, still. And his massive, incredibly successful solo career. Yeah. That was then. <laughs> but no, like he was still he was still kind of like more so in the music scene. So this was, I think, his way of getting out of it. And Mila Kunis, Kunis, Kunis. <laughs> she wasn't uh, she wasn't very well known, but she was up and coming at the time. Right. What 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 date did I or when did I uh, say this movie came out? 2010 two, or 11? 2011. OK, so 2011. He had uh, before that he had a role in Bad Teacher. Uh, he was the voice of Boo Boo in Yogi Bear, the live action. He was um, fresh off his. Um, no, 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 no. He he did a lot of Lonely Island stuff. Yes. Um, the Social Network. He was Sean Parker. And he was Jacques Lecoq Grande in The Love Guru. Um, he did a voice in Shrek the Third. He was in Alpha Dogs. He's been in a lot of things back and forth. And if you look at 2010 on Trouble with the Curve, he was in um, Runner Runner. 
I'm trying to find things that aren't music videos, which is very hard because IMDb is a dick. Uh, well, Trolls so 1 and 2. So so essentially, it's just small secondary character roles, right? Yeah, like his biggest so ones this are... Was, this like, was, this one was like a feature movies. film for him. Yeah, this was one of the first movies where he was a main character. You want to know how wrong you are about Mila Kunis? Because I'm about to... Um, let's see. Mila Kunis? Shut up. Um, so Mila Kunis, before Friends with Benefits, these are some of the titles that she was in. Okay. Black Swan, which won an Oscar. But was she the main character in that? No, that was Natalie yeah. Portman. Yes, she she was the one who had sex with Natalie Portman. Oh. She she was she time. was she was Lily, the where black swan. This, where can I find this movie? Uh, pornhub.com what what website (laughs) (laughs) um she was in date night she was in the book of eli she was in max Payne as the main uh girl forgetting sarah marshall she was the love interest to uh, jason siegel um she was in boot camp and extract she's been meg griffin since 2006 um she was in a tiny show i don't think you've ever heard of it it's called that 70s show oh yeah Uh, you know what i was thinking of my um Michael Caine. I, I actually think you have no idea who Mila Kunis is at this point. No, I know. She's I, been she, acting since 1994. From, she, she was pretty popular, but I think because like this move, well, the other one was who, what was the other one? Uh, no Strings Attached, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. So they both were very, very popular. Ashton Kutcher was huge right? mid-2000s. Yeah. So this could have been also a movie where they're like, okay, well, let's get Justin Timberlake into the big screen, right? Like, he could make us money. And how do we sell that? Well, Mila can... Oh, shut up. Everybody knows you're just... Uh, you're terrible at the bit now. It's Mila over. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis? Mila Kunis. Uh, she was in lots of things so and movies like studios do this all the time right like they pair up a up-and-coming or a actor that they are trying to push right with another well-known actor to try and get people to to go see that movie yeah do you remember um and i remember learning this in like grade 11 or 12 um in a in a film studies class before going to school and obviously I'm still very interested in film or I wouldn't be doing these podcasts. Do you remember one of the first movie or like there was a pair of movies that came out at the exact same time. The premise was pretty much identical. Um, One was incredibly rushed because it wanted to compete with the other studio. Do you remember? um, They're both like horror ish films. Do you, do you remember what movie this was? Or do you have any idea of what movie I'm talking about? They're um, very, very similar. No. Like the premise. No, not at all. All right. So the movie is The Sixth Sense. And the other movie is called Stir of Echoes. Both came out in 1999. The rumor is Stir of Echoes was completed before that, and it starred Kevin Bacon. And another studio caught wind, and they were like, oh, my God. What can we do? And they created the Sixth Sense. Which Just the like Sixth that. Sense was like a blockbuster hit. Yep. I had never heard of the other one. I'll I'll send you an article. I can post it on our thing. It says uh, the, the 
um, how the sixth sense totally screwed a Kevin Bacon movie out of existence. Um, a lot of people are really upset still about this to this day. Kevin Bacon, the sixth sense completely fucked the release of stir of echoes. Have you ever heard of stir of echoes or seen it? No, I haven't. I would recommend to all of our listeners, watch it. It's better than the sixth sense. I do admire what the sixth sense did with um, like color and how they told the story. If you're really watching everything that's going on, but stir of echoes was a better movie. Huh? Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe you should. Number four, or sorry, number three on our list. Never did Angela say you haven't seen this one? Yeah, because I haven't seen this one. You've never seen Crazy Rich Asians? No, I've just seen Moderately Okay with Their Finances Asians. <laughs> <laughs> Constance Wu, Henry Golding, Aquafina. Chris made me watch this movie. I legitimately thought it was going to be boring. It was very well done. Very well done. Um, it's based off a book series. The next movie is coming out. It's literally about what the title says. It's about a crazy rich Asian family. And Ken Jong's in this movie. That's all you need to know. He's funny. He plays a funny dad. And I love it. Movie number two. Have I seen this one? I sure hope so. Uh, actually... No, I haven't. Wow. You know, it was one of those things that I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it. But I never I got th- around to it. I saw this one in theaters. It has a lot of uh, my favorite people in it. I really, well, as you podcast listeners know, my, my dream is to one day be best friends with Zach Efron. We all know it's never going to happen, but a man can dream. Zach Efron, Adam Devine, or Devine, sorry, Anna Kendrick, and Aubrey Plaza. It's the the buddy rom-com that you never know you needed to see but you got to see it it's about these two brothers that are going on wedding dates and this is all based on a true story which makes it funnier uh well uh, i believe it's based off a book sorry mike and dave need wedding dates Um, i thought it was based off of a book I, i i thought it was a true story now i'm just you know no it does say it's a true story uh, the premise is just ridiculous enough for a raunchy, uh, raunchy comedy, but it turns out that the tale wasn't invented by spitballing comedy writers. It was actually inspired by the true life story of brothers Mike and Dave Stangle, who became viral sensations after posting a hilarious ad on Craigslist looking for wedding dates. Really funny movie. Really funny movie. Is, this is this is the movie that you keep wanting me to act out scenes with you when we hang out. Ah, uh, specifically the trampoline, but yeah, I thought I thought um, I got a little bit of gripe for the um, the number one movie on our list. But at the end of the day, I decided it's our list, so we get to pick. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with this. Yeah, I don't care. Do you know why? <laughs> Again, it's our list and it is the ultimate rom-com. It has a guy fighting for a girl while fighting seven of her horrible exes, including Chris Evans and Brie Larson, future Avengers. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Well, it might not be number one on your list. It's number one on my list. So suck it. Starring Michael Sarah and Mary Elizabeth Weinstein. This movie is still all sorts of greatness. 
And I do believe both Anna Kendrick and Aubrey Plaza end up in this movie as well. One is a sister and one is a friend. Are they doing Uh, a sequel to this movie? Oh, no, they're redoing the game. Yes, which is coming out soon. And on top of that, this was shot at a very famous Toronto location, which is now going to be condos, which is so sad. But a lot of this was shot on the back lot and using parts of Honest Ed's. If you've ever been to Honest Ed's in Toronto, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Sonic Boom's music store, the Pizza Pizza. Come on. This is an iconic Canadian film. It's just, it's great. And I knew this would offend people, so I'm sorry. (laughs) And no, we're not not ones who not want to offend people. Yeah. So, David. Yarp. We don't don't have a lot of time left in our show. First, I want to ask you, are you going to watch any of these movies that you haven't seen? Specifically, when we first met, or Stir of Echoes. <laughs> um, I'll I'll check out Stir of Echoes. It sounds interesting. Sounds interesting, and I probably will eventually watch Crazy Rich Asians. Can't just because I know Angel wants to watch that movie with me. So now uh, I see your I see your like I don't know. They gotta. They're not realistic. That's my oh, problem. People don't not fall not in love and be I mean, happily ever after. You you could argue Star Wars is a, a rom com if you really tried hard enough. Well, Star Wars is a space opera. A uh, uh, space opera. All right. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I need your reaction to what happened in season five or episode five of WandaVision. I can't let you leave without telling me what you thought. Because again, I purposely after this episode, I purposely didn't say shit to you about it because I wanted it raw. So I know people probably have been waiting for this. They wait for all week to hear about it. Um, I still have mixed feelings. I think they're How? on because I think, okay, so there's a few things that they, the episode did really, really well. I like how vision is, calling out Wanda on her shit and he knows that she's doing something. Um, so it's going to turn into a, uh, like them fighting as well. Um, I think they, the, the, I still don't like the whole kind of TV show sitcom aspects of stuff that they do. Um, I think it's overplayed now. Um, I understand that it is still like story wise, you know, like she's still in there in her own little world and stuff like that. But I think that they need to, you know, hightail it out of the whole sitcom is going on in that town because clearly vision knows what's going on. She knows that other people know what's going on, like outside of what is it? Westview or something. Yeah. Um, and they need to go into a more traditional storytelling, you know, superhero Marvel kind of style. Yeah. Um, because the, the parts that I was the least interested in was the, the, um, sitcom, you know, well, like that, the whole intro, 
the not the whole intro of like the actual actual episode, but like the intro for the TV show. That uh, I think th- I think they're just doing that out of like the the show is to pay respect to other shows as well. And like the yes, Full House no. thing was a nice touch, but for her, did anyways, it, did it need to be that long? No, no. it was it, that was way too long. Well, that's how right? so I Family think Ties would have been like two, right? It would have been uh, about a minute entry. But it's just like like I feel like for the the sh- episodes that are so short to begin with. You know, there's a lot of this like fluff filler stuff that doesn't need to be in there. I thought the runtime was like 42 minutes. No, no, it wasn't. And even if it was 42 minutes on the the total runtime, it's still only like 28 minutes of actual content. Fair. So this is where I know you want me to save my thoughts till next week. This is all I'm going to say because I think it's fair that I get to at least rebut your thought. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good step in the right direction. Um, the nuanced stuff at the end where she like tries to end the episode early because she's no longer comfortable paired with like the weird reveal of her brother. That is clearly the MCU one. I have tons of theories on that. Um, I'm, I'm contemplating recording a smaller, theory video for you guys with everything I've kind of compiled and thought about and reacted to. I think it's either going to leave a door open for the MCU to uh, bring on the Fox characters and you might see like a Magneto or something, either a Fassbender or a uh, McClellan. You really have no idea what's coming, which I think is encouraging. Mm -hmm. The only other thing that I want to say, and I'll I'll keep it in a, a tight, tight recap is I think the the director of S.W.O.R.D. is up to no good. Considering he is trying to arrest Wanda for um, essentially exhuming Vision's body and when his living will said no experimenting or reanimation, yet that scene clearly has Vision's body in like four pieces. He's testing. He's building Vision to be a weapon. Obviously, we know Vision has been reanimated, but I actually think he's been reanimated without the consciousness of what has happened to him, I think he's actually alive. I don't think he's like dead and just like mm-hmm. brought back for this TV show. Cause he's got mm-hmm. a consciousness that is far parallel to Wanda and he can compete with Wanda. And that was very clear. I agree. In the with episode. That. I think the bad guy in this whole thing is the director of sword. I think he is being projected like he is the potential Mephisto and he's like projecting in and like altering things. I thought this episode was really well done, but for the sake of both time and the fact that you and I have discussed about doing them two episodes at a time now with just quick little recaps, episode five and six will air on our next podcast where we'll start really digging because we also have agreed that this episode, like based on the trailer alone, is going to be bananas. We hope. Yeah, I I, I do want to say, though, um, when I I did enjoy the fact that they're kind of like self-aware of the the recast of Quicksilver. Well, only on the outside world. On the outside, are, right? but, but still, like they they as a viewer though, 
they kind of break that fourth wall in a sense. Like they don't straight up, you know, look at the camera and be like, Hey, they recast Quicksilver. <laughs> they ask the same, they say the same thing that I guarantee every other viewer was saying. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, like you said, like they, I, I feel like they're opening it up to add the X-Men characters, but the only thing is they have to do it right. They have to have a proper explanation that makes sense. Otherwise, it's just, oh, we're going to throw these characters in. Right. But yeah, that's my thought. I, I think I, I enjoyed it a little more. Um, we're getting there where it's not necessarily going to be a hot steaming pile of trash. It might just be like a smoldering, warm, slightly steamy pile of garbage. Yeah. Uh, but there's still, what, like five more episodes, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, and there are plenty more episodes of the Scene on Screen podcast coming up, too. Unfortunately, though, as time would dictate, this was all the time we have for epi- our, our episode today. Of course, if you like what you're listening to, please help us out. Chuck us a subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Hit us up on Facebook. Do what you got to do. Listen, laugh, learn, enjoy. For myself, I will talk to you guys later. For David, who knows? I never really know how to outro him anymore because he just does what he wants to. He goes rogue. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a free agent. I do what I want. Nice. Well, we'll see you later, guys. 